An iguana. Let's pretend that means evening. <laughs> How are you as well? I'm really nervous, so... <clears throat> of course, everybody's like, no, Rachel's not nervous. It's come so naturally to her. Supper will be at nine o'clock, so just get yourselves comfortable. <laughs> Only choking. Um, so, this week I've been thinking of what to share with you and my time there. And so much happened. And honestly, I've been like, I don't know what to say. And of course, even last night, I was like, Sarah, Becky, I do not know what to say. Rebecca is logical, practical. Who, what, where, why? <laughs> Just stick with them, Rachel. It'll keep you on plan. It'll keep you focused. Now, if anybody knows me, I'm not organized. The video was made about 10 minutes before we came here. So let's hope that works later. Um, as the pastor said, I was on the medical mission at the middle of the year. And after that, I came home and I felt that I wanted to go again, but for a longer spell. Um, and because of work and stuff like that, unfortunately, that's not happening right now at the minute. So I was praying, God, I really, really want to go away. I really, really want to go away. And going to Africa was really... It just kept coming to me. And I went to the missionary convention in September. And Louise and I went around every stand. <laughs> Anybody looking nurses? Anybody want nurses? No laborers, no blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Lord, nursing's meant to open up so many doors. Like, come on. Got around to the left stand. Well, what about you? Blah, blah, blah. And they said they were going to Africa in a month's time. Now, if you know me, it all happens very quickly with me. Snap, snap. And I was like, yeah, but I don't, like, I'm not really into the labouring. Now, I'm not a lady lady, but I'm a bit of, you know, I like hanging out with the lads and stuff. But I wouldn't be able to lift bricks and stuff. But, so I was like, Gary, that's not me, you know. And he goes, listen, just go along. You're in Africa. They'll let you into the hospital. Don't be worrying about it. And I was like, really? And he goes, actually... I booked the trip for the 13, but one person's not able to go. Well, I thought, same, hello. And then I thought, right, let me pray about it. And Louise was like, that sounds class. You should really go, go on, go on, lap and go for it. And I was like, I could very easily jump at this because this is me all over. And I thought, if I get the time off and if my dad doesn't hit the roof at me going away again, um, I'll go for it. And went in my managers were like yeah when is it yeah no problem you can have the time off and I was like I was actually starting to be like this is really gonna happen my dad he was like do you want to go do you think it's the Lord are you sure it's the Lord Rachel because I know what you're like Rachel I was like listen daddy I know what I'm like too but I know the way the Lord works with me so lo and behold I was booked and a week later Louise was booked too we can't go anywhere alone. We'll have to fly as a team. So we left on November the 8th. And our team was made up of was there 13, 14 of us. And it was a real mixed team. There was uh, a guy from Cork, a guy from O'Meath, um, Donegal, Dublin, really mixed team. And um, yeah, it was interesting. Um, we left Dublin, went to Istanbul. And from the flight from Dublin to Istanbul, I was all comfortable. This is a wee funny story. 
Oh, it wasn't funny at the time. Um, all comfortable on the plane. TV, you know, right in front of you, you know, I was comfortable watching we film. All I hear was these alarms going off, and I thought I'm ignoring that. Next thing I get this whack lapping, somebody's coped, you need to get up. And I was like, what? I was getting to the good part of the movie here, and Louise whacks me across this other person, and I was like, what? They're looking for the defib, hurry up, quick. And I was like, say honest. And she was like, honest, you need to go. And I was like, you're a nurse too, you lead the way and I'll be behind you, go for it. <laughs> so here I go, thinking, Lord, 40,000 40, feet up in the air, not a best place for somebody to take cardiac arrest. And I was like, please let there be a doctor on board. I will love a doctor right now. And this woman, couped, she was in the toilet, I don't know what happened to her. She couldn't speak English, I know that much. And I was like shaking her going, hello, waking up. Louise, stand back, what do you need lapping? I'm here for you, I'm here. All the, all the plane turned round. I was like, it's like something I'd hope he said, I only up in the air. Shocking. Thankfully a doctor came, could speak the language. Then I got stuck back in the drinks part. So Louise went back to her film, left me to it. and kept turning around going, everything okay? Woman was fine, so that was the start of it. Got to Istanbul, and we um, had a day in Istanbul, and then the real traveling started. We flew from Istanbul to Miami, which was eight hours, and then we stayed the night in the guest house. Now, you'll see, whenever it starts, this wee bus turned up. And when I mean we, I'm not saying we because I'm from Northern Ireland. I'm meaning we because it was like a camper van for two. There was 13 white people in it and two locals. And I just thought, well, welcome to Africa with a bang. And this taxi pulls up, and Ian, Uncle Ian as I called him for the whole trip, Louise's daddy, girls going using in to the taxi took us to the guest house. I thought, sweet, this is brilliant. But then I thought, here, hold on a wee second. He could take us away and we could be kidnapped. Nobody will know where we are. Louise was like, doesn't matter, come on. We're getting comfort, let's go. And we landed at the guest house and we had a comfortable night's sleep. The aircon wasn't really working in our room, so it was very warm. The guys were freezing. Apparently it was like Iceland in their room. But the next day we made the journey in the bus the taxi didn't arrive the next morning. And the bus journey, now, 13 of us. Now, I'm probably the shortest of everybody. Well, I'm short anyway. So we had to sit like this. <clears throat> Feet up and heads bowed for nine hours. Louise wouldn't even try and straighten up at all. So she was behind me. So I had to like kind of stay crouched like that for the whole nine hours. She slept at all. I didn't sleep a bit. It was roasting. But see, once the speed got going, and that African driver could drive. Dear me, I thought my mansion was ready. I thought, here I come, Lord. The speed, he was going. The windows were open. Ventilation was fabulous. Louise started getting cold and asked for a flipping place. Would you? In Miami, it was 50 degrees. She was cold. But chilly in here, lapping, isn't it? Oh, I can't sleep. Oh, can you not? I've been awake for five hours. Oh, cause five hours passed, brilliant. <laughs> Landed at the hospital and the compound, um, the compound is larger than what I first thought. It um, has a school on it for the missionary kids. 
it has the hospital, obviously, and it is made up of a maternity ward, a surgical ward, a medical ward, and theatres. Now, there's other areas off it, but um, remember the last time that I was in Africa? It wasn't really that packed. Well, this one was. People were everywhere. Quarters were full. People had wounds just lying open. Now, I've tried to be very wary that some people don't like blood and gore and stuff, so the video is very good. But um, some of the wounds, you just thought, you need to go and get them limbs off. You shouldn't be putting anything on these. These are so bad. And um, the first day, we had a tour around the hospital and the maternity wing was only opened about a couple of weeks and it was fabulous. It really was clean, bright, tiles everywhere so it was able to be cleaned and looked clean. Um, the staff were also friendly and there was just beds in each of the rooms. There must have been maybe six beds and there was just babies coming out everywhere. Shocking. Not a squeal that I hear. There's probably babies born whenever we were actually there. Not a cry. The culture, Muslim culture, dictates that you're not allowed to show any emotion, express any pain. And Louise and I were quickly told women aren't allowed to work outside. That's against the Muslim way. Me and Louise just kind of looked at each other and were like, well, what are we going to do? sit in it. Like, you know, we were like, what the heck? So now the first day, we didn't really tell anybody, but we were starting to panic. We were like, we've come here for two weeks, like, and we want to be useful. So the next day, me and Louise gets on our lift scrub tops. We thought, this will make us look good. They'll think we're doctors or something, that'll get us in. So we went to the OR room, as they call it in America. A lot of Americans are there. And a few days before we arrived, an uh, American surgeon arrived too. He was more than welcome to have us in to the OR. Well, it's great, up until about half an hour into it. This man was fixing somebody's hip and he had just wheeled him out and he was put into recovery, which was really just a corridor. Nobody was really watching him. And the surgeon was telling us about the next case. So it was wheeled in. He was showing us the x-rays. The next thing, the doors came crashing in. And this man's wheeled in, right? So Louise and I are talking to the surgeon, trying to work out like where the elbow is or whatever. And um, we turned around and it's like, is everything okay with that man that's just been like left in? Nobody was looking at him. All of the Africans were kind of chatting around. And suddenly, the man is not very well. Pulse is gone, breathing's not really happening, and they were just standing around looking. Now life out there is not valued at all really. If you live to 40, that's good. And this man was maybe 45, 50. And we were just standing there like in shock, but we were more shocked the fact that nobody was like getting hands on and like trying to, you know, revive this man and trying to work with him. So Louise is like, are you wanting me to squeeze in? You know, so she got a bag of fluids and she starts, you know, to pump them in. 
this is her favorite part. I was taking pictures at this point because I didn't realize the severity of the situation. Then next thing, he's about to die. So we were like jumping on to the chest, doing the chest compressions. The Africans were kind of just standing back. I was like, you need to intubate. You need to do this. Me and Louise sweat was lashing off us. The Africans just kind of standing there like, oh well. And me and Louise were like, no, you need to intubate. This ET tube, which I think was used about 10 times before, just shoved down. Wasn't in the right place, I can tell you, because the chest wasn't rising and falling. And next thing they called it, and me and Louise just kind of stood back, and we were just like, that man has just died. Meanwhile, the other patient is just over there, in the OR room, watching all of this. Heard it all, well, heard us anyway. Probably thought these crazy white people, what the heck are they doing? And we were just like, where's the family? Who's going to break the news to the family? It was just so surreal and that was our first day and it was like welcome to Africa with a boom so they wheeled him out next to another young girl who was waiting to go into another OR room and, and, and another one who had just had surgery and we were just like that would never happen at home and we were f struggling so much to get our head around the fact that in our hospital and in the culture that we come from, things are done so differently. And well, we didn't really stay for much longer that day. And we just thought, man alive, we came back. And of course the guys, you know, had went to assess, you know, the power lines and the plumbing and stuff. And they were like, well, how to go up in the hospital? We lost a patient. And the guys were like, are you serious? This is the first lift trip that somebody's ever died. And we were like, well, way to make us feel good. We were like, we were the only ones that were trying to resuscitate, you know? And <laughs> we, we were just so shocked. And the next day then, we worked alongside an American girl who trained as an OT out in America, was from New York. She was fabulous. She was so good. She was getting wheelchairs organized. She was getting rehab started for an awful lot of patients that had like knee surgery, hip surgery and stuff like that. But I'm telling you, she could run that hospital as a whole. She was like, boom, boom, boom. This is what ha has to happen. And the African style is African time. You say half nine, might start at half 10. You know, whereas well, that happens a lot everywhere. Like, but she was just like, no, that's not up to standard. Standard is this, and she was raising the bar. She was so good. And she said, you know, Winker really needs some help. We were like, a few wee wounds, that's us landed. Happy days, come on. So we went up after lunch. Now lunch started about 12 o'clock, and peak sun hit then. So it might have reached, I think maybe the highest was 54. And it was roasting. The walk from the hospital to our guest house was maybe a 10 minute walk. It felt like half an hour, like your legs just was hardly going. And you had a break until about three o'clock. It was fabulous. Sometimes, you know, you went for a wee nap, a wee power nap. I'm trying to implement this and, you know, work here. I'm like, sister, come here to you here. See you out in Africa. There's a wee break time. 
12 to 3, what do you think? She's like, what do you think, Flipper? <laughs> I left it at that. Um, and we went back and we thought, this is great. A couple of wee wounds. This is us landed. The wheel's in the first one. I saw this wee nick on a leg here. I go, sure, I can do this one. Dead on. The unwrapped, the crepe. Suddenly there wasn't really a heel there. It was kind of corroded and gone. And me and Louise were just like, and the Africans were great, like, you know, now these guys who worked in Winker weren't really nurses. Let's say they just came off the street and put on the nurse's uniform, worked alongside a surgeon for maybe a year, watched him, and that was him, set to go. See one, do one. That was the way it was done. So we just kind of thought, we'll step back and just kind of watch this one. No mercy. Anesthesia? No. So we got to the second patient, and, they, and these patients, like the sur surgeries, wound care, that they were having done was horrendous. And Louise and me were like, what about painkillers, you know? Mm. And they would have looked at the patient, seen their wound, and either went, mm, or okay. By the end of it, everybody was being anaesthetized. Me and Louise were just sticking lines in and getting the ketamine and knocking them out. They were off in some dreamland and they weren't feeling nothing. And if they were, they got a nurse's dose. It's a generous amount. <laughs> anyway, shh, don't tell anybody. Um, we started doing wounds and we got to the point where I worked alongside an African and then Louise did too. So, <clears throat> We met this young girl on her first day, and she had horrendous burns. She was like maybe five years old. She'll be in this whenever you see it. She has burns all over here, which were starting to heal, and they were like kind of white, and then she had a horrific burn here. Now, how this happened, we don't know. Every time that we always asked, they were like, mm, don't know. They didn't care. They didn't care about the patient's name. They didn't care about their age. They didn't care about why. You know, that doesn't matter. You're here to do a job. Do it. That's it. And we started to treat this girl, and we got to know her every day, and she was the sweetest little girl. And either I helped to do the wound, and then Louise held her hand, or else the other way about. And every day, if it got really sore, like, we always prayed with her. And then I was starting to sing, and it was like, Jesus loves me, this I know. Not that she could understand a word that I was saying, because houses the language there. And um, it, it was just so heartbreaking <laughs> to see this young girl and her wound was horrific. Like nothing will be able to describe to you how bad it was. It was starting to go like green because the pus was starting to spread. And on the Thursday, Louise and I could see such a change in her. And she wasn't really as alert. And I was like, she needs this leg off. You know, if she doesn't get this leg off, the infection's gonna spread so bad that she's not about to make it. So we treated her on the Friday and she was barely rousable. And we decided to go and see her that afternoon. And we called with her, say about half four. And, um, we walked in, and I think maybe her granny was there, and the ward in that bay, there was like maybe six beds, eight beds, 
and loads of family around because out in Africa the family do all of the personal care. Nurses, I'm still working on what they do. They seem to hang around the nurses station a lot and sitting down and maybe handing out a few meds. Maybe done a wee bit of writing but that was really it. And we walked in and her granny was there with her. Now the girl was sleeping, unconscious really. And the granny thought, white people, hurry up, you have to. And she like shook the girl's head. Now, we couldn't speak any of the language. So the actions we done had to be more so than any words that we had to say. And I was just like, no, 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 it's fine. She's tired, I'll her to sleep. And Louise and I were just kind of standing there and we're just looking at her and the two of us were just like she's not going to make it like we can see you know her life is starting to slip away and I turned around because I just thought I cannot face any more suffering I've been to countries and I have seen suffering and I have seen poverty but Niger is on such a bigger scale if that makes sense just everywhere you turn there was people looking at you and their eyes were screaming out do you help me help me I need help and you wanted to help them so much but you didn't have anything and all you had was prayer which we prayed with everybody and we like <sighs> so I turned around Louise was still talking to the granny and I turned around and in the next bed there was this young child and a cloth was over it and I was kind of staring at her, at this child lying in this bed, thinking, I can't take no more suffering. And Eloise turned around and goes, what are you looking at? And I goes, is that child alive in that next bed? And she goes, yeah, it is, look, the chest, you know, moving, rising and falling. And I was like, I really don't think it is. Because sometimes you will yourself to see a patient getting better or rising and falling, you know. And Louise was like, no, sure, there's the fluids attached. And I was like, they're not attached. They're just hanging there. And the child died maybe half an hour, you know, before we actually arrived. Nobody was there around her. The bed was going on with whatever was happening in their family members, but nobody was with that young child. And I just thought, what is happening here? Like, if that was here, there would be a family around. They'd be so upset. You're not allowed to cry out there. If you are, you're told very quickly to be quiet and you're sent out. And I just thought, I can't take this. And I just said, Louise, I just have to go. And, I, and she turned around to say, no, wait. And I was like, gone. And I just walked in to like the staff room and I just started crying because I was just like, I can't take this. Now, before leaving, I had prayed, as crazy as this sounds, God, I don't want this to be a happy missionary trip, you know. This is great going out, you know, to help the Africans. As crazy as that sounds, I didn't want it to be easy. I wanted to experience hard times, and I wanted to experience the lows, because you can go for a mission trip for a couple of weeks, and it's brilliant, and you're up on the mountaintop, and you're helping so many people, and, you know, and that's why I'm wanting to go for 
the longer spell to experience the hard times to see, is this really what I want to do? See, in them two weeks, we experienced so many lows. And Louise came in after, and I was just like, you actually felt because you were seeing so much suffering in that one day, because every wound we had to do, we always thought that is the worst wound, that is the worst one. And then next thing, next patient was brought in and you were just blown away that it was even worse again. But the patient wasn't crying, the patient wasn't expressing any pain. And you were just thinking, what on earth is going on? You actually felt like you walked into a different world. And I was just like, God, I need your, I need your help right now. I need your grace, I need your mercy, I need your love. And we just sat there and cried. And then next thing, one of the surgeons walked in. I probably thought, oh, these girls, it's a bit rough for them, isn't it? And I was just honest with them. And I just said, like, how do you stick seeing so much suffering? Like, do you actually see improvement here? Because what they had to work with, they'd done a brilliant job, but they didn't have an awful lot to work with, if that makes any sense. And he said, this hospital is the only hospital in the surrounding area for miles and miles and miles. And the government handed over the land like back in 1950. And they basically handed the land to SIM because they thought it's never going to work. They can't get any, it, it's in the worst part of the country. The land is useless. Water's not able to be pumped there. It's never going to work. And now the hospital is thriving. It treats in outpatients alone a year, 110,000 people. Surgeries, there is like 15,000 surgeries a year. The OR never stops from morning to like late evening. It goes non-stop. And he said, imagine if this hospital wasn't here. I know you are only seeing what you're seeing now because you're in it. But imagine if this hospital wasn't here. How many more people wouldn't make it? How many more lives wouldn't be able to come and experience this hospital? And because it is a Muslim kind of culture, the hospital shares the gospel with everybody. Everybody that passes through the hospital, they're all prayed with. They are spoken to every day. Ward rounds are like not ward rounds here. They go and assess the patient and they see how the patient's doing. And then they use whatever is wrong with the patient and turns it around to how the Lord helped a person and how the Lord has come to, you know, have life and love and stuff like that and all. And we actually walked around and stayed for like five, five of the patients and see the way they'd done it. It was amazing. Louise and I were just like, this is unreal. And the people really listened because it was something that they had never heard before. They had never heard about the mercy of God. They had never heard about the love of God. They had never heard about these people who come from America or come from Ireland or come from anywhere because God has put it upon their heart wanting to help these people. And it was incredible to see. And um, meanwhile, as we were working in the hospital, the guys um, were changing like power lines 
because there was a lot of power outs because the hospital had been expanding so much. Power was like being outed all of the time. So Ian and his great skills got the power line sorted and um, a few of the guys got the plumbing sorted because they had like this water tank sorted up on this hill and they said if you have a chance go up because you can see out over the whole area and it isn't incredible and of course we didn't think of this until maybe the last kind of couple of days and we were like the sunrise would be awesome to go and see so I organized with a couple of the guys who want to see this. And I said, Louise, come on, this will be class, an African sunrise, this will be awesome. Like how many times are you in Africa that you can get up and head, lapping, I'm with you, I'm with you, yeah. You set the alarm, you set the alarm. Louise never heard her alarm. She never hears it here anyway. Every morning I was like, oh, turn off your, uh, bang, and that was it. Ian had to come, girls, we're going to work now, are you up? every morning. So I organized with a couple of the guys to go and see the sunrise. Of course, the alarm went off 10 past five. We were aiming to leave at half five because you thought, you know, sunrise will probably hit about quarter to six. You don't know, like, do you? Because you're never really up around that time. Well, I wasn't anyway. The guys were, the guys started early at seven. We started about half eight. But anyway, um, I got up and I was getting ready. Of course, Louise was raging because I turned the light on, but I turned the light on for a reason, get her up. And I said, half five, Louise, it's half five, are you coming? You take the pictures lap and I'll see you later. Turn the light off. So here's me and four guys, don't really know them. And we steps out. Now, can you imagine the Lion King or something? Or imagine like an African war cry. We steps out of the guest house. Still kind of dark, like, I'm past myself. I hear all these war cries and I can see these, like, fires every so often. I start dying off a wee bit. I was like, <coughs> guys, are you sure this is safe? <laughs> and they said, now, be sure to wear a good pair of trainers. I only wore one pair of trainers because the thorns up there are real bad. Like, you know, they'll go right through your soul. I was thinking, what the heck? Am I going into the desert? Where are these ones taking us? They had their big work boots on and all. I didn't have nothing like that. Like, I wasn't going to go out and labour and stuff. I was for the hospital with a wee pair of flip-flops on. So I, I started leaving and I can hear these war cries and I was like, guys, no, seriously, you need to stick close to me. I'm precious cargo. If anything happens to me, my dad will knock you inside. And all I can hear is these war cries and I was like, seriously, these ones are going to think their prayers are answered. These crazy white people are going to see the sun. I right they are. They're going to think their prayers are answered. Next thing, we'll be like on some stake and they'll be chanting around us. And the guys were like, your imagination is someone else. And I was like, honestly, I was past myself. The rest of the team didn't even know what the heck was going on. I thought, well, here we go again. Rachel doing something crazy. And we got up and he had to like climb up this weird ladder. And it was up the side of the water tower and it went up. And then suddenly it went to the side and up. I was like, who put that up? You should have seen the state of me trying to get up there. Oh, lady, like, not. So <clears throat> we got up. Maybe sunrise came about a quarter to seven. We were knackered. We nearly fell asleep because we just thought, is this sunrise ever happening? Like, <laughs> I think I had 60 pictures of the sun just tipping over the horizon. <laughs> 
And my phone started alarming low battery. I thought I better stop. <laughs> I'm never going to get a picture. But see, just to see the sun coming up and seeing it shining over the like whole area, it was incredible. And do you know that song? Um, I heard it maybe a couple of years ago. Um, Tune's coming to me. Um, you're beautiful, oh, and then it goes, I see your sun in every sunrise, the colors of the morning are inside. And I just thought, this is awesome. This is God's majesty in full view, like the beauty of God right here, and like in the middle of nowhere. And all of the Africans were up, getting ready, we're doing their washing, saw us trekking up this mountain thinking, what are them crazy white people doing? Like, you know, and, you know, to them that was everyday life, but to us, we could like see the beauty in it. And, you know, it just made me think, you know, what we might see as not so nice and not so pretty, God sees as awesome and God sees as amazing and God sees as, that's why I came. And, you know, it really spoke to me. And um, the other fun things we got to do, when in Rome and all that there, we got to go on a camel ride. I have been on a camel before, but I clearly forgot the horrendousness of getting up. <laughs> they told us to bring a pillow because it's very uncomfortable. Well, I was never so glad that I brought a pillow. I forgot how the cam Does anybody know how a camel has to get up? On its like back legs first. I was past myself. Ian was like about 100 yards back taking the pictures because he wasn't getting nowhere near them. So I gets on first after a few of the guys and I was like, here, hold up. Why, why is the back of that camel going up first? I was like, are these camels okay? And they were the scrawniest looking camels ever. They needed a good feeding. And I just thought, oh glory. I thought I'm gonna tip off here. Next thing, Louise is up. No, I can hear is, hail up, hail up, boy, hail up, hail up. <laughs> her, her camel was starting to trek off somewhere. So I start laughing. Next thing, she's not laughing. I'm near squealing. Her camel's like right up to the side of my leg. And she just yells, here, lap, and just look to the left there a wee bit. This camel right beside me. I thought, this thing's hungry. This thing's going to think it's breakfast. Hello. So I was like trying to, like, here, here, oi, oi. Couldn't speak the language. I was like, French, get my French to come back to me. Spanish was coming out of me. Past yourselves. So we went on a wee camel ride out to the desert. Sahara Desert, here we come. Camel ride. Louise was like, how far are these things taking us out? Because the sun was starting to come up. It was starting to get real warm. The flies were starting to fly around the camels. Like, not real pretty. Like, you know, these movies make it look so class and all. It's not. That's a whole gimmick. So we got back and we went to church. Now, Muslim culture, again. Ladies have to wear skirts and their shoulders have to be covered and their heads, if, like, I don't really wear skirts. I wear jeans. Me and Louise thought, oh, we'll get away with it, it's all right. The surgeon, his wife, was the technical help there. She comes in the first morning, hi, girls. How are you? Welcome to Gnami. I was like, hi. What's her name? Gloria or something? Something American anyway. And she was like, girls, 
you know we gotta wear skirts. And we were like, aye, but you know, <clears throat> we might be helping the lads, you know. Oh no, you gotta wear skirts. We were like, how hot does it get here? Oh, about 50 degrees. And I was like, suffer me. And then she goes, I've got spur headbands if you need them. Like, come on. What if my husband was out there? He wasn't going to be looking at me going, wow, there she is. <laughs> Should have seen the state of us going to church. <laughs> Louise kits herself out with some orange bandana or something. I goes into my suitcase. This rare scarf that I must have bought somewhere here. I ties it on. <laughs> I said to Louise, what it look like? She starts laughing. I said, well, you want to know what you look like? <laughs> Not much better, mate. Of course, me with the pictures, you know, you got to capture the moments. You'll look back on these moments and laugh someday. Still a bit mortified, like. Um, but we went to church, and there was two of the churches side by side. So um, we went to the first one. It sounded real lively, and I thought, I hear a bit of drumming going on here. I'm going in here. So we went in, ladies on one side, men on the other. And it was real African, like, really getting into it. Suddenly, I don't know if it was like a special Sunday or what was going on, but like each section of the congregation started singing. Ian later told me he was starting to think, here, they're going to call us up to sing. That would not have been good. Because <laughs> our evening meetings started off well, suddenly went downhill night by night. And all the wee kids were up doing their singing and then they started doing like their African kind of dance. And then the ladies started doing theirs. Now they had like this row, right? And there was like this log. So I can kind of describe it as. And it had like a few holes in the bottom. But see the sound it made? I have to get me one of them for over there. That would be awesome. Clifford, boom. <laughs> we're landed. Wait to hear this bad boy. And oh my goodness, it was class. I was up and I was, you know, taking pictures and all. And I think they were thought, what on earth? Louise was just like, I'll leave you to the pictures, Rachel. Go ahead. Awesome. Absolutely class. The service lasted about four hours. Roasting. We didn't know. Most of the missionaries only stay for maybe half the service and then they go because it really is long. Like, so if they do it, like, of course they didn't pass that information on to us. We were there to the very end, but it got me up to playing the drums, you know. I got a wee skate on them all. So we got to go to church, um, and then we got to go to an African market. And this is where we went shopping for our attire. And it was like a flea market. Has anybody been to a flea market? No? Yeah? Parts of it were great, but other parts... I don't have the strongest stomachs, right? I'm getting a wee bit dry mouth thinking about this. But they brought us around the spices or something. I don't know what it was. But I was with one of the team members and I tend to wander off because I see something that takes my attention. And I saw like this kind of material and I was like, guys, I'm gonna look at this stall because there's loads of stalls that had loads of different kind of material. And, you know, they're all looking for best price and all, and I'll give you best price, and, oh, this colour would suit you so well, brings out your eyes and all. Dead on. And um, I saw this other we stall, like, just a few rows over it, and I goes, here, I'm just going over here, and there was Rory and Louise 
and young May, one of the missionaries with us. There's a few other guys, but I don't know where they went to. And I, I said, anyway, I'm just going over here, okay? I did on, and I turned around after talking to this guy for a while. I couldn't see them, and I thought, oh, I'm not in a good situation here. I need to find my people. And I went over, because, you know, you could be mugged or anything, like, you know, sense doesn't always come to me straight away. And I find them anyway, and I went back round, and then they started giving us, like, this tour of this market, and they brought us to a certain part of it. I couldn't breathe anymore, and Rory started laughing. I started dry booking. I was like, I have to get out of here. Get me back to the materials. This is ba this is rough. This is rough. I'm glad to see the, uh, the herbs and the spices and all. I'm not cooking. I need to get out of here. Oh, my goodness. And Rory was like in fits of laughter. Young May couldn't understand. So she was like bringing us deeper into it. And I was like, no, no, no. Out, out, out. And she was like, oh, further, further. I was like, oh, my goodness, no. Oh, it was there. But it was just packed donkeys everywhere donkeys are like uh the taxis and these donkeys dear loves them little donkey is all around through my head do you know that song little donkey yeah oh dear help them you know i'm like the very oh it was just a sad situation anyway getting back to the hospital we done we worked very closely with one of the nurses who was originally from Malaysia and Young May was her name and she had been there for six months and she had learnt the language, the local language, Hausa, in like basically five months, five months. She could speak it so well, like she thought she couldn't really speak it and wasn't very good. She was incredible. She was able just to talk to the locals like she was just part of them. <coughs> Me and Louise, oh, dear helpless, that's all I can say. <laughs> the people, the tried, like, but it wasn't really happening, you know, hands everywhere and it wasn't good. So in the wards, getting back to nursing, the, the nurses, I don't really know what they've done. It was really, really hard to kind of describe what they'd done because whenever we went in, in the medical ward, we decided to go for a day and like kind of show them how we would maybe nurse at home to try and improve because that was her role there, to try and improve nursing. And what they want to do is to establish nursing school there as in like a training program. And like she, she's her work cut out for her. She really has. They don't really do any notes. They don't, the medicine round is just like, just give them maybe five mils of this and 10 mils of that, sure. Maybe that'll cover it. What? No, what is wrote down? What does the patient have to get? And we started at seven o'clock in the morning and they have quiet times every morning. So every ward has this and the men as well had it. So, we only made it to one of them because we were a wee bit tired, you know, the sun's tiring and the guys were really good. Ian was up every morning. He was really good. But us girls, we weren't so good. And we went to one and it, it, it was really lovely actually. They always read out of the Bible and they shared about something and then they prayed and then the morning started. 
and there was no real handover, so nobody really knew what area each nurse was assigned to. Now again, the nurses weren't really nurses. They were maybe helpers, if that makes sense, but they were doing a nursing job. And we decided to take a bay, and that would be our bay, and we would kind of roll off how we would do it at home to show them. And in our bay, we had a guy who had been bit by a viper. We had a guy who had meningitis. We had a guy who had TB and query HIV. We had another guy who was found unconscious and they weren't really sure exactly what was wrong with him. And he was just lying there, not really able to wake him up. And we had a wee kid and he had malaria, all in the same bay. Now, at home, that would never happen. You would have your masks on, you'd look like something out of Avatar because you have so much gowns on and stuff to try and stop you from getting infections. And we went over and the guy who had TB had fluid in his lungs, so the chest strain was in. And the chest strain was attached by this tube just hanging out, it wasn't really fixed on, to this bottle, glass bottle, just lying on the ground. And me and well, I was like, Louise, get a load of that. Just lying there, blood pouring out of it. The guy, the breathing was horrendous. Whenever we checked his obs, because they didn't do obs either, they maybe done them once a shift, only if they really wanted to, and half of them were made up. The guy's breathing was horrendous, so there was an oxygen tank in the nurse's station gathering dust, and we were like, just go and get the oxygen tank and let's just put it on him. Now this ward, the medical ward, had 50 to 60 patients in total for five nurses. Now the nurses were still sitting at the nurse's station and there was a bed in the nurse, the sister's office and they all seemed to be like having a wee sleep. And Louise goes, when's our turn? You know, do the clock in and clock out here or what's the crack like? And we walked in to get this oxygen tank and the nurses were like, did the doctor say you could take that? And I went, why would a doctor tell me to put oxygen on a patient? The patient can't breathe. He needs oxygen. Oh, 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 right, right, right. I think they thought, well, we're not going to argue with a white person. like. So we took it and we stuck it on. These nasal specs were on maybe 100 patients prior to this. Rolled across the floor. So very clean, like, on, on the patient half an hour. Brilliant, he was improving. Next thing, um, another nurse from another bay came in and goes, we really need this oxygen. There's a child and he's not able to breathe. And I went, oh, oh right, is there not another one? No, 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 need to take it. He took the nasal specs off the man with query TB, wheeled it round, we followed him and put it on a child with malaria. And he was like basically unconscious. And I was like, no, 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 that guy had TB. TB? Yeah? Yeah? And Louise was like, no, no, TB! TB! Didn't matter. The same nasal specs were put onto this child, and the child was maybe three. And we were just like, of all the problems he has, he doesn't need to get this as well. You know, and that's the way it was. Everything was reused. Wind care? Oh, glory. Everything was reused. You had to wash it out. They didn't really wash any of their hands because they didn't really understand the part of hand hygiene, which is like a standard thing. So we started washing our hands. 
some days the water didn't work within the hospital because the plumbing was turned off because they were trying to fix the pipes. So we used the same bucket of water to wash our hands. And I said, Louise, like this isn't very clean, like, but we'll keep on doing it. They'll try and, you know, implement, you know, a pattern. And the same tea towel to dry our hands. It was shocking. But we got to spend time with the missionaries that stayed there. And some were there for five years, maybe. Families went out, like, and they had their kids. And some of the kids were, like, maybe six months old, ranging to maybe 11 or 12. And they went to the school there. And there was a girl who was from Australia, New Zealand. And she felt that the Lord told her to go there so that these kids were able to have an education. And them kids, oh my goodness, they were so smart. Like they could rhyme off every African country because this is what they were doing there. They could rhyme off the African country, the city, how many people lived there. They were so intelligent, they were so into it. Me and Louise were like, if school was like this at home, we'd have been class, like, you know, we'd have been there every day and, you know, we're not pulling sickies. Markle Friday's coming, Daddy. You know, I'm getting better for the weekend and then suddenly second Monday. You know, it was just amazing. You know, like kids, like, and they were so interactive and they were learning about the wildlife and, like, they were teaching us, like, things that we didn't know. And it was just incredible. So I'm looking at the clock and I'm kind of seeing. So... Basically, it was an amazing time, but there were so many, there were so many hard times, but at the same time, whenever you were looking at the overall work that was being done, it was amazing. And, you know, we had young May with us for tea one evening, and we always kind of asked them, you know, to tell us their story and stuff. And she didn't really want to go there. She was like, Lord, why on earth have you got me here? And she said, you know, I would rather be here having my dinner with you instead of being in the belly of a whale. And as soon as she said that, we were all just like, <laughs> what? You know, because we had never looked at it that way. She said, I would rather be obeying God by being here having my dinner in the middle of Africa where I don't really want to be, but I know God has called me to be here for now than being in the belly of a whale because you're not obeying God. And that really stood out to me. And, you know, I just thought, you know, there's things that I want to do and there's things I really want to do now, but maybe God is saying not right now and there's a purpose in it. And, you know, sometimes you have to trust his timings as I'm learning every day. But, you know, that just really rung out to me. And just for it to just come out of her, I, I just thought I just really needed to hear that. And I don't know if anybody else needs to hear that right now, but, you know, God knows where you are and God knows what you have to face and he's there. And, you know, every night we always had a meeting and the hymn books were passed out, you know, and <laughs> we just picked numbers everybody just called out you know a number to see if anybody knew it and I was on the drum that was the only musical stuff we had there and you know the song sometimes started a wee bit high that was because of me maybe and um there was one of the songs and some of the Irish guys didn't really know an awful lot of them so this one guy picked out this song none of us knew it like 
and we just thought, but we'll sing it anyway because it's a song, and it was a song. And it's from the old I'll travel to the new. Keep me travelling along with you. I'm a bit tuneless, but point of the matter being was, you know, go along with the Lord. And, you know, I just thought that is amazing. You know, I never thought in my wildest dreams this year that I'd be going away to another trip out to Africa to experience everything that I did and all of them hard times, you know, but I did. And, you know, you never know what God has in store for you. And that's what I kind of love about it. You know, so um, I'm going to show the DVD if we're ready to rock and roll. This song was sung by the kids in the school and listen to the words of the song. It is amazing and hopefully all of the pictures will make sense to what I have shared. Pain, I wonder 
Wasn't that a great report? Hey? It was only 10 minutes, was it? We know you, Rachel. That was wonderful, wasn't it? Great team, Louise and Ian and all of you. But unless you go there, that's the thing. It's good to see that and to hear that, but until you go there, that's when it actually hits you, isn't it? When you get there and you smell and you hear and you see and you're among it. And uh, Because how can you really tell that? Just looking at those wounds on the screen, but you have to be there looking at that to see that. There's no infection control. No health and safety. That's all the wires there when you're up at those wires. There's thousands of them sticking out. And, uh, and that's what it's like. Nurses just standing around stations. It's the family does all the work, isn't it? You know. So a big question is, what about all the men? This church. Eh? Claire and you and Lois and others all going, where's the men? Hmm? There you are. Anybody handy? Your handy, there's a there's a, a trip for you for next year. Some of these uh, there's a whole all the whole year right through to the whole year, construction team, medical mission, all kinds of things. Even if you can just lift something or labour, do something, it'll be worth it. So it will be brilliant. Hmm? She looks well in that uniform, doesn't she? That outfit. Willie Mandel. <laughs> Willie Mandel. <laughs> It's going to be winning. You need to be permanent. That's <laughs> great all the same as it is. Well, as usual, she never left me any time. <laughs> she does it on me every time, doesn't she? Always have this great conversation. Now, Rachel, we need to be a bit of time at the end. 45 minutes. <laughs> but anyway, it's too late for me to preach tonight. Aren't you glad? Isn't that good? Isn't that great? You're all saying, go ahead, Rachel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Keep at it. So good. So we're going to pray. And we're going to ask God to, to bless and to maybe inspire. Look, there's a whole price list. If you're wondering how much it's going to cost and what's needed, there's a whole price list. Everything from 550 to 1250 and everything in between. And so it's doable, isn't it? Maybe instead of going on holiday next year, maybe you could do this instead and just sacrifice that time and effort to do that. Rachel, come on, stand up here. What about you, Louise? Come on, you too. I'm not going to ask you to say anything. I just want to pray. It's all right, come on. I know that Louise is all panicking in kiss. She would be good for it, wouldn't she? Stand with us. I'm very proud of these ladies and all that they've done for the effort they made, for the lives that they've touched. Lord, we thank you tonight for what we've heard and what we've seen. Amen. Lord, we've been challenged, we've been inspired, we've been encouraged. Faith has been strengthened. We thank you, Lord, for that hospital in Niger and Lord, all that it's doing, the thousands of people that are being ministered to. And Lord, we thank you for these local girls, Lord, who has made the time and effort and took the expense to go out there and to do that for your glory and for your honor. So we pray your blessing to be upon them. And Lord, that you'll lead and direct and guide them. And Lord, if it's just short trips, that's fine. But Lord, if it's something more, if it's something longer, if it's something, Lord, of a, a more time, Lord, to be spent there, we pray, Lord, that you'll lead and guide and direct because, Lord, they just want to do what's in your will and your purposes for their lives. 
So we ask you, Lord, to favor them and bless them, minister to them and through them to the glory of God in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well done. All right, my dear. We're proud of you. By the way, it's nice to see Dean here. Dean, as you know, has been working over in England uh, for this past year, and he's just back for a little short visit, and then he's come back again to work for another year. So it's always nice to see Dean Hutchison. Amen? Amen. So we shall see you this week, or I don't think there's home groups this week. There's the prayer meeting Thursday night. Yes, on Friday, Friday night? Is it? No, it's not on this Friday night. You're... you're fa- Sunday... Sunday school practice, 4 o'clock this Saturday. And then Sunday morning, that's it, Sunday morning, we're ready to go. And then we're almost into Christmas. Hard to believe, isn't it? Isn't the weather been fantastic? Hope I haven't put the scud on it after saying that. Clifford, are you looking? Yeah, guys. Just kind of punch here. Yeah. Need to move a bit of... Need to move a wee bit of furniture here. All right. So...